Hey y'all, this is Benny, the host of the Last Week at Podcast. Before we really get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say that it's been great fun for me and my co-host Mayank to use this podcast as a medium to chat with an incredible area of guests from all over the world on a variety of topics in the cricketing universe. For a couple of amateur podcasters, this is all possible due to Spotify for podcasters. And if you want to get in on this as well, here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. As added features, video podcasts are also now available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. So if you have an idea for a podcast, give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com podcasters to get started. Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket. I'm your host, Benny, and thank you for tuning in. Well, folks, I'm not going to waste too much time and I'm just going to get straight to our show and the special guest for this episode. Ayaz Memon needs no introduction, but for the few who may not know, he is a seasoned writer and journalist who over the course of the past five decades has covered Cricket World Cups, FIFA World Cups, Wimbledon tournaments, Olympics, and many more. He is also an author on several cricket books, having written on the likes of Sachin Tendulkar, Amos Dhoni, and Virat Kohli. For the sake of time, we restricted our conversation to the last two Indian captains who brought home the 50-over World Cups. Amos Dhoni and Kapil Dev, what made them tick? What set them apart? What can aspiring leaders learn from them? All that and more in the conversation coming up. What do you know? I wasted time and gave an introduction anyway. All right, let's go. So, uh, sir, before we get into anything else, I have to tell you something. Um, you, you are one of the few guests that we've had on this podcast who have a Wikipedia page. So yes. what I did was I went on your Wikipedia page and immediately I was surprised to discover that, and you can tell me if this is true or not, you were born in Bridgeport, Connecticut? Absolutely wrong. Completely erroneous. I was born in Mumbai, brought up in Mumbai, live in Mumbai still. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you know, Wikipedia, anybody can write anything. I haven't created that page. Somebody created it and has put it there. <laughs> but what I haven't well, done, what I could have uh-huh. done, I should have done, is maybe correct it, which I haven't done as yet. So, <laughs> it, it is... It is very strange. I was completely, it didn't make any sense to me, but I was like, maybe it is a fact (laughs) that, you know, it's very interesting. So just so you know, your Wikipedia page has this uh, factual inaccuracy, but, um, but no, uh, we are so excited uh, to have you on this podcast and yeah, um, you know, like, like we mentioned, we wanted to talk to you about two, uh, legends of Indian cricket, Kapil Dev and uh, MS Dhoni. And you're a perfect person to speak to about it just because you've written a book on uh, MS Dhoni, Captain Cool, uh, but you're also one of the few people who have witnessed um, Kapil Dev's 175 um, in Tunbridge Wells. So um, I think you're, the, you're, you're a perfect person to speak with on these two cricketers that I feel... Uh, have left behind a legacy that a lot of Indian cricketers still look up to and are inspired by. So I want to I want to start with a couple. I, I want to start with someone who has been described as you know who, he he marked the end of elitism in Indian cricket and really the first superstar from outside the major urban centers. So. As someone who has seen him up close and followed him throughout his career, how would you describe him and his impact on um, Indian culture or Indian cricketing culture? 
I mean, look, I, I think the, the, the mark that Kapil Dev has left on not just Indian cricket, but international cricket is phenomenal. Hmm. Uh, I, I think that, you know, many, many years, many decades after the 1983 triumph and many decades after he finished playing cricket, I can say with a sense of uh, conviction that there has been no greater cricketer, Indian cricketer, than Kapil Dev. Right. In, you know, in all its in multifarious dimensions that we, we see cricketers. Uh, he's been easily India's greatest all-rounder. Uh, he could have walked into the team as a batsman, as a bowler. He was a brilliant fielder. And obviously, he's got several match-winning performances to his credit. Notably, of course, uh, the, the 175 not out against Zimbabwe in the 1983 right. World Cup, which not only changed the course of that tournament and Indian cricket history, but also perhaps the, the, the destiny of cricket because... Till such time that India won the World Cup, uh, we were one. We were called uh, the dull dogs of cricket, uh, and after that triumph, it just marks such a major inflection point in Indian cricket history and in the history of, of the sport that India today uh, is is not just the mecca of cricket but also the El Dorado. You know, all the action is here, the money is here, the right. balls are here, the I mean everything that you can think about cricket today stems from what India is doing, and that can be traced traced back to the 1983 victory. In the modern context, of course, Indian cricket history goes back to, you know, almost a century. But Kapil Dev's impact is, is lasting. What was it about him, though, uh, that set him apart from all the cricketers that came before him? Was he just a product of his... Was he like just like a child of destiny, like perfect man for the perfect time? I mean, you know, in hindsight, you could say that about any great performer whether yeah. it's, it's in sports or in theatre or cinema, that you are, you are a product of your time, certainly. Uh, I, I think he, he was, you know, to look at it a little more objectively, he was a superb athlete. He could have played perhaps any sport, uh, you know, much later in his career, even as a cricketer. He, he did try and play football in India. He played in Calcutta, one of the Calcutta clubs. I think Mohan Bagan, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a very good golfer. He's a very good snooker player. He's a very good Ableton. Right. He, he just had great ball sense. It's one of those he was naturally endowed with these gifts. And he actualized them. The, the thing is that there are lots of us. You and I may also be very good at table tennis in school. But by the time we finish school, we've lost it. You know, because we pursued other things. Uh, but for somebody to have actualized it to the extent, the, in, the inherent or intrinsic skills that you have, and take it to that level, the echelons that couple have achieved, is what marks him out as, as different. Uh, you have to have to play at the international level or play at a very high level. Any sport, if it involves the ball, you have to have great ball sense. You know, you have to have right. great eye-hand coordination and and and, uh, and a mind which sees opportunities in, in in doing things that mere mortals like us can't do. That's what separates them from us. We know all the theory, but we can't do it. You know, right. and that's where. These guys, any cricketer is special. And somebody like Kapil Dev who's performed so well at the highest level for so long, you know, you're talking of a career of about 20 years. It, it's just, yeah. it just shows you. So, one thing which I want to kind of highlight here about Kapil Dev and perhaps it's true, not perhaps, it's certainly true of Dhoni and every other cricketer that you might think of who's had such a long career, is that you have to be a very good learner. And you have to learn, hmm. you have to imbibe skills early. You know, Kapil Dev also started playing or came into the national reckoning at about 16, 17 years of age. And from there, fast-tracked himself into the Indian team because of very rich performances in domestic cricket. And then from there on, to become one of the greatest all-rounders in the game at that point in time, perhaps in the game's history, means that you are alert, you are sharp, you may not have great formal education, but you are a quick learner. And you absorb right. and you assimilate. And you assimilate and then you go out and put into practice what you've learned and do it better and better and better. And that's the quality or the hallmark of all great performers, whatever the sport or whatever actually every walk of life that would be true. Right. And again, there's no doubt about what a champion cricketer, what a champion sports sportsman he was. Uh, but... You know, the idea of this episode was, you know, with all the chatter recently in Indian cricket about the lack of trophies, right? Lack of ICC trophies. Um, the two most recent Indian captains at the senior level, 
men's senior level, we've had MS Dhoni and Kapil Dev who won these uh, trophies. So the idea was, or, or, or the thought was, what was unique about them as leaders? So we've known, you know, we know from history that not every great player is necessarily a great leader. Yes. So what is, what, what from your observation, what made, or what was unique about a uh, couple of days, like leadership style or, you know, his captaincy, what set him apart that, you know, helped him to rally, you know, his teammates? I think, I think it was, it's a question of personality. It's also a question of temperament, both, you know, and the personality obviously will include temperament. The talent, we know. Uh, right. You know, there have been maybe players who have been equally talented, maybe a little short, but why haven't they made such successful captains? That's a very legit question. And when right. you look at the achievements of Kapil Dev, 1983 World Cup victory, which I told you is a major inflection point in the Indian cricket, uh, when India went into that tournament, we were hardly favored to win. I mean, nobody gave India hope in hell. I was part of right. that. You know, I covered that tournament. I went there in the in the anticipation of just putting something on my, so to, speak, for want of a better phrase, a CV. Uh, 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 yeah. You know, uh, a mention on my CV that I covered the 1983 World Cup. I didn't expect India yeah. to win at all. Two previous World Cups, 75 and 79, India's performances had been miserable. In 75, we won, you know, in one match, I think, we beat East Africa. And in 79, we lost even to Sri Lanka. Which they were not even full members of the ICC. And yet, we came back winners. And we came back winners primarily through the performances of one man and the leadership of one man, which is Kapil Dev. And what was it when I look back, it's what, now, heck of a long time back, 40 years back. So, one is uh, a lot of self-belief, you know, and yeah. and building on that self-belief as you go on. I mean, there's a, in, 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 in the jargon now goes that you have to live in the moment, not in the past. You have to live in the present. You have to be in the right. zone at all times. So it's easy to slot it, you know, like that now when you look back 40 years, what happened, you know, he was, or in the Indian team just went from strength to strength to strength, uh, post the match against Zimbabwe. But I think it had a lot to do with Kapil's personality. Sunny was, he, is, he was not a brooder. He was a man of action. He, was, he had a fairly uncomplicated way of doing things or thinking through even crisis situations. Uh, you know, so sometimes it's, it just takes a little moment of magic to turn things around for yourself and for the team. And that's true of all great performances, whether it's Don Bradman or Sachin Tendulkar or Kapil Lev or, you know, Ben Stokes currently. Right. You, it, during the course of a match or a series, you come up with that one moment of magic which turns things around on its head. I mean, in modern modern Indian cricket, you have to look at VVS Lakshman and Rahul Dravid. That one partnership just turned, not just the Eden Gardens Test match in 2001 round, but that series and subsequently also Indian cricket. And today, India and Australia, the, the rivalry between these two teams is the, is the best in Test cricket. Right. So, in, 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 that, in that World Cup, I think the, the moment of magic obviously came in that match against 170, uh, Zimbabwe when he made 175. That was a towering, peerless, one-man show in many ways. But then also, if you look at it in the final against West Indies, when you did that catch, you know, the Viv Richards, which just turned backwards, yeah. So the, 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 what I'm trying to say is that the capacity to absorb pressure without letting it be even known, he made it look, it was so nonchalant the way he took that catch. He was the captain of the team. This was the most crucial wicket that India had to take to even stay alive in the match. Even dismissing Richards may not have guaranteed you a victory because the West Indies is such a strong team. But right. it turned out to be the turning point. And that's what happens in sport. You know, one major, one moment of magic can trigger off all kinds of possibilities, open up all kinds of vistas. And that's what happened in that in, in the match against West Indies in the final. So, I think a couple of days, it, it's the, you know, I think the sense of being in the moment, playing as what he, and, you know, he was very uninhibited. So there was not, what I would put it now is that there wasn't too much dogma attached to his cricket. He didn't believe too much in theory. 
there are lots of cricketers I've known who suffered because they fell into the trap of being theory bound. I, I, I right. without naming names, there are lots of cricketers, batsmen, for instance, fantastic batsmen, technically well, superbly equipped, you know, but who couldn't make a lot of runs because they got bogged down by seeing is my left elbow pointing in the right direction or not, rather than thinking about how to make runs, how to find the gap. So you'd find that right. there are lots of batsmen who played. Highly skillful batsmen, very talented, everything going for them and not producing the runs. They would hit the ball to the fielder rather than find a gap by putting it three yards to the left or the right of a fielder and so on. Right. So Kapil had this natural ability. He was a great natural athlete. He was very fit, which was a big thing in Indian cricket in those days because he was, right. you know, I mean, the fitness levels that we talk about now were nowhere in existence in 1983. So, mm -hmm. he was he was India's best bowler. He was India's fittest and best fielder. He was India's most dynamic batsman when it came to it, especially in white ball. or, or There was no white ball cricket then. It was red ball. But in limited overs cricket and in test cricket. So, he played with a sense of spontaneity and uninhibitedness which was made for limited overs cricket but also it just ushered in a whole new dynamic phase in Indian cricket. Because before him, as I mentioned, we were laggards. Right. We were laggards in every format. There were only two formats then. To win more matches, even test matches, you needed to speed up things as we realize now. Look at what England is doing now. They've changed. Right. They've just completely changed things around by this exhilarating tempo at which they're playing. Can, is it sustainable? over 2 years, 5 years, 10 years? I don't know. We don't know. But currently, if you look at what happened in 2022, they won 9 matches out of 10 on the right. trot. You know, playing 10 matches on the trot, they won 9 matches, chasing down very difficult targets, defending modest targets, and winning matches 3-0 in Pakistan, lots of matches at home, you know, some of them from losing positions. So, it requires a certain mindset to emerge from right. which is different from what is what is being done earlier and that's what couple Dev for me exemplifies when you look back to 1983 there was a way in which Indian cricket was being played and there's a way in which Indian cricket started to be played and as you know then subsequently continued after couple Dev came in and much the same could be you know in a different context we can even talk about MS Dev. Right. Um, I'm also curious, uh, obviously there's been a lot written about um, Kapil Dev's relationship with Sunil Gavaskar and uh, just some, some tensions there. But I'm just curious, uh, the team at that time, was there a big divide in, you know, small town versus the bigger city players? Or even, you know, you mentioned formal education. Was there even a dynamic around that? People who had formal education versus ones um, who, you know, were more... Uh, for the lack of a better, better way to put it, street smart? Yeah, I mean, look, this is a very interesting question uh, because you, you, you put two dimensions to it, which actually, in my mind, perhaps didn't, were not as important as the third one, which was, you know, parochial, you know, parochial uh, sentiments which pervaded the dressing room. So if you came from the north, then yeah. you clubbed together, or you came from the south, you clubbed together. Uh, when I say club together, you you know players spend more time with each other if you're from the same zone, right. not necessarily from the same city, or if you came from the west, which means from Mumbai, Pune, Baroda, and these places. Then, so the division was along parochial lines rather than say elitism or or some other you know or education. Maybe that was also there, but it wasn't as important or as as you know. Intrusive, I would say, uh, of, uh, in, in the dressing room, then the lobbies that existed of, I'm from the West Zone, and these guys are from the North Zone, and therefore, and the, you know, the animosity that existed in domestic cricket along these lines spilled over into the Indian dressing room. Really, really. Unfortunately, but that was, that's true. That was a fact. I mean, if you read Tiger Pataudi's book, uh, Tiger's Tale, one of the things he mentions about the difficulty of captaining the Indian team. And remember, he became a captain at the age of 22 uh, in 1962 after Nari contractor got injured. He said, 
you know you have the indian dressing room they don't even most of the players don't speak the same language because they all used to be together flock you know so if you're from south of india and you may share you know multiple languages there because you come from the same zone you may speak lots of people from bangalore may speak tamil also or may not if you came from west zone pune bombay even baroda you could speak marathi you know so and so on so the unification of the dressing room of the indian dressing room is a, is a is a major story in itself how it happened over the years but in 83 i don't think that you know him coming kapil dev coming from from the hinterland was as much of an issue as hey is he from north zone and therefore is he and maybe kapil dev also felt you know these guys are from west zone do i belong or do i or don't i belong remember west zone also very powerful there was vengsarkar there was gadavaskar there was shastri uh, and so on so what i'm saying is that now it's very easy for us to understand why the indian cricket dressing room is a microcosm of indian indian life from right. all over the country people come speak different languages maybe have different faiths they come from different economic backgrounds but in the indian dressing room is a great melting pot it has always been actually when you look at the first indian test team it had parsis it had christians it had muslims it had sardar and so on it was always a great melting pot but there were all these tugs and pulls of parochial interests which pervaded till fairly long now is it's a as i mentioned there's a more secularized and you know leveled situation in indian dressing maybe for the last 25 30 35 years but till the 70s and 80s parochial interests or parochial influences were was rather strong so in that sense you know you asked me about gavaskar and kapildev so these discord discordance amongst players existed for a long time i mean it's not that it was only between gavaskar and uh, kapildev you know this you can trace it back to many other players who had these uh you know this well not very great relations and i think it was also is also to do with human nature you know it's a clash of personalities of mindsets sometimes of superstardom it happens and it's happened subsequently also i mean the last right. few years we've been hearing about rohit sharma and virat kohli but i think that is uh, you know and it's not true only of the indian dressing room you know it is true i mean the australian dressing room you had michael clark and shane watson and and simon cutich at loggerheads sometimes trying to hit each other with the with the bat and so on yeah. all the western dressing, dressing room or the english dressing room which may look a little more refined but you know because it's more conversational than physical but it exists or pakistan cricket i mean you know you just have to go through the blogs of some of these ex pakistan cricketers to to find out what they or to understand what their relations must have been when they were teammates you know sometimes right. the hostility still comes through so that's to more to do with human nature i think at the end of the day and this would be true of i think all teams also that all when you're on the field and you know the focus is so much on you 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 try and push those differences aside as much as possible i'm not saying it's always 100% possible but you try right. to push those differences right. into the common cause to do something the activities of common cause now and and you know moving from that conversation to somebody who's been you know in a strange way a unifier and sort of a national hero because he has you know admiration of anybody whether it's from the north from the east from the south um and that's partly due to his ipl stint with chennai super kings of course is ms dhoni and um I want to talk about him because he started with a very unorthodox style, you know, whether it was his batting style, whether it was his, you know, hair. Um, but obviously behind all that, he had a very solid and stable mind and he's just set really great standards as a player. Um, and, you know, his impact is visible today. So I guess where do you see MS Dhoni? Obviously you mentioned Kapil Dev was arguably the best um, cricketer in terms of the impact he's created in Indian cricket. but where do you put ms dhoni and and you know his impact on the culture uh, around indian cricket so as an influence on indian cricket i would say you know he's if not on uh, if not ahead 
he's on par with Kapil. You know, for for the achievements. I mean, Kapil lives 1983 win came like, you know, was one of the biggest upsets in the history of the sport. Uh, so that remains. I mean, is is the biggest or the most significant triumph that we've had. Uh, a lot of things, you know, where Indian cricket is today can be traced back, as I mentioned, to Kapil Dev's victory. But MS Dhoni is actually more emblematic, or more, you know, more uh, what we discussed of hinted in India coming into its own. Even Kapil Dev coming from Chandigarh was Chandigarh. He was better placed to be playing the sport. The proximity to Delhi, the strength of North Zone in Indian cricket then. Uh, he he went through the rigors of playing junior cricket. He was part of the under 16, under 19 team, couple days, and from there he rose up the ranks and played for India. MS Dhoni is like a, is almost like a black swan uh, eruption in Indian cricket right. because uh, you know look at coming from the Boondocks from Ranchi, where the influence of I mean the passion for cricket may have been strong, but the influence of cricket wasn't as strong uh, on on youngsters because there was not enough infrastructure, there were not enough opportunities. And so on. Maybe he could have been better off playing hockey or uh, maybe even football, which he which he fancied. Then look at his background. You know, training to be just the chasing a government job, trying to become a clerk in some factory so that he has a job for life. That was the pursuit of the lower. That was the great middle class of the lower middle class dream. And when he then he gets into the railways, he become he becomes a ticket collector. And yet. He breaks off those shackles, including of a job secure, you know, secure job, and pursues his passion, which is cricket. And he moves to, you know, he moves away from Ranchi, and then we all, I mean, the rest is history. But the dynamics which shaped MS Dhoni's career are far more dramatic, in my opinion, than even couples. I'm not talking of the end result of the contribution, even the end result. When you look at MS Dhoni. Uh, You know, 2007 T20 World Cup, the inaugural one, which he wins. Uh, right. The 2011 ODI World Cup after 27 years, India winning the 50 over World Cup again. The Champions Trophy in 2013, and taking which I think is you know sometimes lost in all this title thing is the significance of become making India the number one ranked Test team in 2010, mm. 11. When right. you know, and why is that important? Even I find it significant now because at that point in time, Australia were a very strong team. They still are. South Africa was an extremely strong team with Graham Smith and Doug Collins and Hashim Amla and AB de Villiers and you know Dale Steyn and all of them playing. They're not half the team now, as you know, South Africa. And then that you know, to keep England was always a good team. So to make India. A formidable side in all, all formats, and captain them so successfully, I think was is a, is a is a is an achievement that must be acknowledged. You know, Amazonia's contribution of that. Apart, of course, you know, IPL is the flavor of of uh, international cricket now. is is the buzzword. Everybody likes to talk about it. He's got a stellar record at CSK, but in my opinion, his record for India in all the formats exceeds everything and anything that he's done uh, in in T20 league cricket. And, and for me, I, I need to bring this up, uh, which has always fascinated me about Dhoni. Apart from, you know, all his cricketing skills, his leadership skills, all the trophies that he has won, something that really sets him apart from you know other cricketers of his generation and even the current one. Uh, you know, his interactions with the media, you know, outside of promotional events, we rarely hear from him. And, you know, he doesn't give a lot of interviews. Even his social media posts are very infrequent. Um, as someone who's who's been in the media for decades, what, what are your thoughts on the media's relationship with Dhoni and if his approach or, you know, the his arm's length that he was keeping uh, the media at, was that warranted? So I have, uh, you know, I have a slightly uh, different opinion from most others because I belong to the media, and I think that, mm-hmm. to an extent, see, he's a, he's a, he's a bit of a recluse. So he lives in his own universe in many ways. Uh, you know, it's not just about the media. 
It's also about, you know, he doesn't carry a cell phone or if he carries a cell phone, even his teammates don't know the number or don't have the number. They right. can't reach him. Very famously or infamously, when VVS Lakshman retired, and right. then he announced his retirement, and that time MS Dhoni was the captain of India. He said, I couldn't reach him. <laughs> there was no way you could reach MS Dhoni because once he had gone off from the team had disbanded for you know the rest period, they were not part of a series. To find to locate MS Dhoni was a difficult task because he may have been riding his motorcycle in you know in the Himalayas or somewhere or the other, or, you know, spending time with his dogs or whatever he was doing. So he's that kind of a personality. Having said that, I also feel that it's a little uh, you know, it's a, it becomes a little problematic when you're MS Dhoni, you're captain of India, which is the biggest side in the world, and therefore, really, nearly, you're the biggest name at that point in time in, right. in, 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 in international cricket. And if you're not available for, to, I mean, as a, as a media person, like y'all are asking now, you want to know what is MS Dhoni's mind about? How do you know what he's thinking if he's not available? So I think he should have been more available, at least in, when he was captaining the team. I mean, I'm not saying right. at all times. You know, he should have been a little more forthcoming. Then it's, it's, it adds to the mystery mystery and the, the intrigue and mystery of his personality, which is fine, which is always a great dimension to write about. But sometimes I feel that he should have been a little more available. But that's his personality. And this is where I feel, even as a cricketer, and where if, since we're talking about Kapil and Dhoni, two of the most influential cricketers in Indian cricket history, they have very different personalities. Even as cricketers, mm. even as players, when you look at Kapil Devi, as I mentioned, he was a very spontaneous cricketer, especially in his batting. Uh, you know, it was unfettered batsmanship. MS Dhoni showed that in the very early years when he would go and, you know, tonk sixes. He did that later also in the IPL and, of course, for India. But he was a far more measured player. He took things very deep. Very much in, you know, he would try and create a scenario for himself in his own mind where he felt he knew he could master, you know, the bowling or the bowlers or the field that they said. Kapil was more naturally forthcoming, spontaneous. He went, you know, hammer and tongs when it came to it without, without bothering about the circumstances. Sometimes that was held against him. Very famously... Right. Uh, Sunil Gavaskar, I don't know if you all remember this, that in 1979-80, Pakistan came to India. India had lost badly in 1978 to Pakistan, very badly. So there was a return series, test series, which was played in India, which India actually won 2-0. But one of the matches, if I remember correctly, it was at, at Madras uh, or, or maybe at Bangalore, the first test, where Kapil Dev went and started playing the way Kapil Dev does or did. Just go and start playing his strokes. And Gavaskar was the captain and he got very upset. And he said, you know, Kapil Dev will not make a, another 50 again. And lo, next match he went and scored a brilliant 50. <laughs> and Gavaskar said, I needed to say this just to provoke him into fulfilling his potential. You know, you can make 20, 20 runs which excite everybody. You know, every, every fan in the ground is excited and people say, wow, wow. And, and all that, but it's not helping him or the team if he gets out when he's on top. Right. So that was, you know, a couple and a couple of days subsequently went on to make some terrific hundreds. Uh, and but never changed his style, never changed his approach. Dhoni's approach, he could be, you know, a blazing magnum if he wanted, and he could play defensive. He could bat out an entire session without hitting a six. If it's so, you know, if it's so warranted. So, in terms of just sheer natural ability of, in, especially in batting, and obviously Zoni didn't bowl. Though I saw him bowl at Lords in 2011, uh, when I think Zaid Khan got injured. Yeah. In terms of everything that Kapil Dev did came so naturally to him that there was that's why he's peerless as a cricketer. And his thought process was just like that, you know, just spontaneous. You, you know, you, you, we're we're talking about nature you know you know being naturally talented versus skilled or you know having to almost working within your limitations and becoming the yes. best player that you can be and, and, and i'm curious to hear your thoughts on my assessment of Dhoni is like 
yes, uh, if you look at it like big picture, he seems like a very, very original cricketer. His technique is very, you know, very unique to him. But he also has a very calculating mind. You know, when he, oh, yes. the few, the occasional times that he does talk and he explains his thought process, it's always very interesting, you know, the way he has arrived at things, whether it's to do with chasing down a target or defending a total, especially on these spinning tracks in Chennai. So how, how do you see that almost contradictory, yeah. or do you think it is contradictory, those two natures, those two sides to his? Yeah. You know, it's very, it's a very interesting point again, and I think in sport, whether it's cricket or baseball or any other sport, these kind of sports, uh, you play. You know, most players play internally, a percentage percentage game. They work out. Right. It's almost, you know, it's almost second nature. They automatically start doing it. It comes from hours and hours and days and weeks and years spent in the nets, and obviously also how you think about your own game your opponents, the match situation. So I'll give you an example outside of Kapil and, and Dhoni, which is within the Sehwag. The kind of approach he, yeah. you know, his approach to batting, every coach would tell you, you can't bat like this. Right. But he made a huge success of it. He made 8,000 plus runs. In my opinion, he was amongst the biggest match winners that India has ever had. In fact, in that phase, uh, when he was playing, India's two biggest match winners were Anil Kumble and within the Sehwag. In test cricket, yeah, right. not the others. I mean, the others all pitched in, of course, and there were some really big names, Sachin Tendulkar and Rahul Dravid, including MS Dhoni, who came later, and so on, Zahir Khan. But Viran Sehwag was unique, he was an original, and he was hugely successful because his mind, you know, worked out the the percentages extremely well. That if I play this shot, it might look reckless from the outside, but am I, you know, he's getting the runs. So it was his the gift that he had. He could suss out how the field is placed, how do I beat the field, how do I hit it over the field. He took huge risks, as England is doing now and getting away with it, or they're successful. So you can't say he was wrong. Kapil Dev wasn't wrong in taking those risks, and Dhoni wasn't wrong in sublimating that risk taking. He's also taking risks when he's you know the percentage game is played by every player. Every player works out these percentages in his mind or her mind now that women's cricket is also becoming so big. So let's acknowledge that. So I think that, you know, it's just different personalities, how they work out in their own minds what the situation demands. And then they are judged on that. We have the benefit of hindsight or seeing something in action and passing opinion on it. The guy who's playing it has a nanosecond to decide. They don't have the benefit of hindsight. Once again, you know, right. if you're a batsman, it's one ball game. You make a mistake and you're gone. Right. And that's why some of these, you know, players, the greatness of these players is something that cannot be undermined. You know, you talk about, and not just Indian players, but any player who plays like this, a, a, a Dhoni or a Kapil. In, in the case of a, and, you know, the, the good, so a lot of these players, like a Dhoni, as well as a couple, you'll find that they break away from the canons of orthodoxy which were at that point in time predominant. Or a Sehwag. Right. Sehwag, as an opening batsman, is very different from a Gavaskar who was driven by the canons of batting as it existed when he grew up. You know, play in the V, see off the fast bowlers for the first hour, you see off these bowlers, you cover for the swing. This guy would hit against the swing. Sehwag. And he got away with it. That's because his eyesight was perhaps better, his reflexes were sharper. So he capitalized on that. Gavaskar played to his strengths, Sehwag played to his. I'm saying that these are all you know traits that might emerge from uh, being brought up in a certain way. MS Dhoni, his grounding in cricket was not according to the canons of classical technique as we understand it. Classical technique as we know comes from what the English cricketers or custodians of cricket then handed down, you know, from generation to generation. And it was assumed that this is the way to play cricket. But it is not assumed any longer. One of the great innings that Kapil Dev played was, I think he made 76, was in the Lord's Test against England in 1990. Hmm. And India needed 24 runs to avoid the follow-on. And he hit Eddie Hemmings for four sixes. 
with Narendra Hirwani as his partner. And now you would have thought that madness. But at that point in time, that was the only thing he could do. And he did it brilliantly. So, I mean, look at the way, I'm just shifting a little away. Look at the way Johnny Besto has been batting in the last 10, 10 months. You know, he was a, everybody thought he's, he's a modestly good cricketer. Now he's looking like one of the, one of the guys who will break records everywhere, the way he's batting. Remaining century after century after century. Right. Or look at the way Adam Gilchrist came and you know started batting. It looked like very high risk taking, but he was actually fulfilling or actualizing his potential. Right, and it, it also shows there's many many paths to success. You know, obviously these two very original cricketers had their own styles and paths, and and you've given other examples like Sehwag, who are you know very authentic to their styles. Um, but I guess the one one thing when and I know we touched on captaincy a little bit was um, you know the way these two became captain was also somewhat similar. Um, Kapil Dev became captain a year before the '83 World Cup when the expectations on the team were very low. MS Dhoni became captain in 2007 when the seniors stepped aside, and um, there were I guess there were barely any expectations because we didn't know what T20 yeah. was, um, and. Mukul Kesa once called Dhoni India's first adult captain since Patodi due to his sort of detached demeanor. Yes. Um, and, you know, I think we've touched about it, how he would like go away and, you know, be with his dogs or, yeah, or something yeah. like that. But um, was Kapil Dev at all like that? Or was he very obsessed with, you know, processes and uh, uh, and not worried about results like Dhoni was? No, I think, look, there are, I mean, this is, uh, these are, as I say, these are buzzwords and jargon that processes, and which is more in currency now. Forty years back, nobody talked of processes. Uh, I mean, I think Mukul is right, and also you know, couple the one binding factor between couple or the common factor, common denominator between couple and Dhoni, <coughs> otherwise very different personalities, is that they are unfazed under pressure in a crisis. It's almost like they had cold blood in their veins, you know. The most tough situation would see them hardly ever bothered. Uh, and you might feel that, and what I said, that the approach was different. Kapil would hit his way out of a situation. This guy will be more measured. He would, especially we've seen this in IPL. The number of times that IPL, you thought CSK, this match is gone. And Dhoni was there and taking it to the last over and you know maybe winning it then. Or more often than not winning it. I think... Uh, I remember a match where Kapil Dev made a hundred, I think a hundred and sixteen or hundred and nineteen in the in the tight test against Australia uh, at at Madras at at Tepok, and India, you know, Australia ran up a mammoth score. Dean Jones made two hundred and ten. India was struggling. Thirty-five, forty, some they lost three, four wickets, and days play had ended. In those days. Access to the Indian dressing room was rather easy, I must say. Uh, and you know, I walked into the dressing room at the end of the day, and it was couple they was holding forth and lambasting, lambasting the team for batting poorly. And you know, he's talking of talking to Gavaskar and Jimmy Amarnath and you know players of that caliber. And he said, "What is this? Do you think this is one-day cricket? This is Test cricket. You can't bat like this and throw your wicket away and this, that, and the other." And when play resumed the next morning, he went on to score a hundred almost in a session himself. <laughs> you know, just glorious batting. Yeah. But that's what Kapil Dev was. So for him, the crisis—you know—there was there was a great album. If you're interested, in, if you if you follow music, by a band called Supertramp. Uh, it's a very big brand, uh, band of maybe 35, 40 years back. And they had an album called Crisis, What Crisis? Hmm. That was the title of the album. So the the cricket, the, the cricketing persona of uh, Kapil Dev and Mahendra Singh Dhoni, you know, I defined by that by the title of that album. Crisis, What Crisis? For them, there's no crisis. <laughs> Kapil Dev's approach in a crisis would be to say, Acha, crisis, I'll go and show them. Dhoni's would be working and calculating it in a different way, you know. But the end results would be very similar. They would take the team home. Whether with the bat or ball, Kapil Dev had that ability to produce that moment of magic and turn a match around or a catch, 
Dhoni had that ability. If not himself, because he was not an all-rounder in, in that sense, he was not a bowler, then he would get somebody else to do it. He was very astute and adroit. In terms of captaincy acumen, I think Dhoni would, would be ahead of Kapil. Kapil was more by his personal example. You know, things are not working. I'll take the ball and I'll get this wicket or a couple of wickets and turn things around. Dhoni would find a man to do it. Hmm. Dhoni would find Dhoni would do the most, you know, astonishing make make a most astonishing choice like he did with Joginder Joginder Sharma last ball of the match 2007 final against Pakistan. How much we can't get more tense than that. India versus Pakistan. Misbahul Haq threatening to run away with the match with his you know batting superbly. And he gives the last over to Joginder Sharma, who was a bit, you know, who was a rookie at that point in time. Now Dhoni himself was a rookie as a captain. That was his first assignment as a captain. So he punted. That punt paid off. Maybe it was because he didn't have too much of captaincy experience. So he thought, you know, very differently from what conventionally a captain would have would have thought. The field settings that he deployed, the kind of conversations that he would have with. Bowlers. You speak to a Kuldeep Yadav or Yuzvendra Chahal or a Hardik Pandya today. Why are they so, or Virat Kohli, why are they so, you know, laudatory, full of praise for Dhoni as a captain and as a leader? It's not because you sit there and you write books on theory of captaincy. It's because what do you say to a bowler when he's coming in to bowl to a Steve Smith or a David Warner? And sometimes you can catch it on the, on the stump mic, either the Yekar, Wokar, because you speak in Hindi. And it paid dividends. So I think that you know, both these guys had great influence because of what they could achieve, either by themselves in a in a in an active role, like couple there with bat or ball, or in a slightly again active but you know not directly active. He doesn't have the bat in hand. He doesn't. He's not bowling, but he's keeping wickets and he's got the measure of the entire field, the batsman, what needs to be done, the field to be set, which bowler, kahan what line. So MS Dhoni has had that, you know, and it, it just kept growing as he, you know, his captaincy experience grew. And the ability to handle players, I think, you know, this is very important, even for Kapil, but more marked, I think, in in the case of MS Dhoni, because by the time MS Dhoni became captain, look at that dressing room; it's flooded, loaded, overloaded with superstars. There's Sachin Tendulkar, there's Rahul Dravid, there's Grievous Lakshman, there's also Saurabh Ganguly. There's Virendra Sehwag, there's Yuvraj Singh, there's Zaheer Khan, there's Halbajan Singh, 33 wickets against Australia in 2001, big star, Anil Kumble. To manage such a dressing room with so much success, without even, you know, hardly any, there's no eruption of any dissent at any time, is quite remarkable. Even in couples' time, you could say, oh, yes, you know, there was a panga. Or there was something between Kapil and Tavaskar and all that. In Dhoni's case, you don't find that at all. It's because the way he handled people, he had this great skill of managing people. Yeah, you know uh, that that kind of brings this back to the big question that we were trying to get an answer for. Um, you know, looking at Kapil, it seems like his brand of leadership. If we were to condense it into like one word was you know inspirational leadership you know lead by example and for someone like ms doni it's it almost seems like a calculated gambles you know with his decisions on the field or even when he's batting um but the question is back to you know especially now uh all the kind of frustration over india's lack of trophies in recent times is there something you think that Indian captains today, be it a Rohit Sharma or a Hardik Pandya, is there something that they can pick from Kapil or MS, some attribute of theirs that could make a huge difference or is that way too simplistic? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there's obviously a lot to pick from from what uh, Kapil and Dhoni have achieved and maybe doing some study as to how it happened and speaking to people. But look, I, I think, yeah, I mean, the lament is that there is a drought of titles. And the lament is gets stronger when you think, you know, India has got the richest collection of players. When I say rich, it, it doesn't mean in terms of money. They're making crores and crores in the IPL, that's fine. Uh, you know, so are others. 
but rich rich in in talent you know i look till last year or till 2019 or till 2020 till the pandemic hit india was the topmost test team we went into the world test championship against new zealand in 2021 as the number one ranked team number one ranked over 3 years right. not just for that match and you know for almost barring a couple of weeks here and there consistently number one and when you go into the final you lose that match you know a match which you should have won you know all things considered in 2019 we were the number one team in in odis and we went into the world cup as firm favorites we lost in the semi finals to new zealand uh so and you know this year in the world t20 australia playing at home may have been favorites or started as favorites but we were i would say joint favorites you know for the kind of talent that indian cricket has we lost right. in the semi finals so obviously there is some you know some gap that needs to be breached it's not happening the ta- it's not about the talent because you're flush with players whether it's a virat or a rohit or a hardik pandya or any of the other look at a shubman gill now he's just you know in such blazing form and he's looking like the best the next big big thing in cricket over the next 10 years and so on you know you got some now you're flush with i mean there's an assembly line of fast bowlers which is one thing where you must give credit to a guy like kapil dev at that point in time he was a one man show where fast bowling is concerned there were not many others even shrinath came a little later you got terrific and an abundant number of spinners you got an ashwin you got a jadeja and you got maybe five six others who you can pick and choose from so it's not a question of talent and what is it that is missing obviously other teams when they play india are doing far more study of indian cricket because they know that these are really competitive and very strong opponents the other factor is that indian cricketers are under greater pressure than any other today it's not the english and the aussie cricketers who used to be under tremendous pressure earlier because of uh, you know their standing or their stature in, in the sport but it's the indian cricketers the spotlight the gaze the you know the glare is so much on them the billion plus people wanting them to succeed at all times that creates a difficulty quotient which can't be underestimated and yet having said that the true you know the material of champion should be that we can overcome all of this and then win right. now how can that happen i don't know i'm not a i'm not nostradamus we got india versus australia coming up india versus australia most likely in the world test championship then we got the world cup coming up at the end of this year odi world cup to be played in india but india will start as favorites but also will be again under the most pressure i think it, you know I, i what i say may may again sound simplistic i think somewhere at the top level not somewhere but certainly at the top level the upper echelon and it has to be with i think the coach and the captain gabriel and rohit or hardik if it's in white ball cricket or t20 the conversation has to change the way you are, what are we talking about in indian cricket and in fact i would go even further it should go up to rajo bini who is the president of the bcci why has english cricket changed so dramatically in the last 4 5 6 years and certainly in the last 14 15 months in every format they are doing exceptionally well right players who looked just you know modestly good or you would say little better than mediocre are becoming champion cricketers Look at English cricket over the last five years, seven years. The best players were Joe Root, Ben Stokes, and Jimmy Anderson. Maybe a Chris Broad, a Stuart Broad, if you added him. The others were in and out of the team, you know. But today, the T20 major domo is Josh Butler. Ben Stokes is uh, is the best player in all formats for them. Look at what Johnny Bairstow is doing as a Test cricketer and Harry Brooks as a youngster coming in. Right. You know. So what has happened? is that there's been a change in the way they are seeing and talking about cricket in England what needs to be done and then it starts spreading it starts the gospel starts spread, spreading down the rank and file at the senior level and then a couple of rungs below also the coaches start talking the same language because everybody else who matters and is an influence in that cricketing scenario is thinking differently and it's not when you look at it from an institutional point of view leave aside cricket if i work in a newsroom and i'm the editor of a paper 
and my there's a certain line new line that i need to take i have to convince my staff that this is the line we're going to take forget what we were doing in the past this is the way we will approach stories this is the way we want more human interest drama this is the way we want more hard hitting political interviews and so on and so forth and therefore you start getting results i think if you walk into matches or tournaments saying you know we are so good we got the best players we got four guys who average 50 five terrific fast bowlers five great spinners you must not win right that to my mind is the the significant change that has to happen uh, because the talent is all there it's a matter of you know the puzzle falling into place so to speak right you know um from all that you mentioned about couple and uh doni it seems at least to my understanding the key is be true to yourself you know and play to your strengths lead from your strengths and i think that's what couple dave and ms doni exemplified and what inspired their teammates what helped them be the champion cricketers they were so i would say that's probably one thing that uh, the current and future uh, you know leaders of the indian team can really pick from uh, but sir thank you so much we we, we don't want to take just, too I'll much just, Benny, i'll just uh, you know i'll just add here yeah both yeah go these, ahead both these players were originals kapil mm-hmm. dev was an original and ms dhoni is an original maybe of contrasting styles and personalities but both were originals and the right. greatest thing that they had was they were very comfortable in their own skin playing the way you know if somebody said don't play it this way play it that way they sussed it out and did exactly what they thought was right and right. the other most you know i would say magnificent quality both had they were unafraid they were unafraid of failure hmm. they were unafraid when it came to taking risks they were unafraid when it came to you know looking an opponent in the eye and saying i can get the better of you you may be a wim richard but i am kapil dev you know or an ms dhoni and so on so i i think it's very important sometimes you get overwhelmed by the the reputation of the opponent or of a situation of a match situation and you think find things just slipping away from your grasp and how do you come back because a match match you know it's a dynamic situation it keeps changing it keeps evolving you have to have your wits about you whether you're right. formally educated or not doesn't matter neither of them had great formal education as we know but they had their wits about them they were skillful people in in terms of talent obviously otherwise you can't reach that level but they were also very quick very sharply analytical mind who could work out match situations in their head and then react accordingly and that's what i think defined their cricketing success apart from then we look at all the other dimensions as i mentioned about dhoni as a captain and a couple of lasting influence i mean when you look at when you speak to any of these 83 players 1983 players they find when you speak to them now they find a virtue or so many more virtues of captaincy in kapil dev it's quite remarkable are when we were going from this ground to that and we were in the bus you know if you talk to a shastri or a vengsalkar or a bini now you know we had just lost badly to australia and this is what he said and it's all coming out 40 years later <laughs> it's quite remarkable yeah well i can i can't think of a better note to end on so we'll leave it there but sir thank you so much for your time uh really appreciate it uh what is your next assignment in cricket are, are you covering the test series in yes i am I, i'm i'm i'll be in nagpur hopefully on the 9th except that i told you i've got a legal matter to attend to here so if that finishes today then i hop off on hop onto a flight on the 8th and go off to nagpur and then delhi okay. and then the test series I've, i've been waiting for this test series in india was yeah day. same year same year <laughs> it's been a while i'm really looking forward to it but uh, to our listeners you you can uh, follow ayes mamen on uh, twitter at cricketwala and of course his writings everywhere uh, but sir thank you so much for your time uh, we definitely want to have you back i feel like we can talk so many topics with you thank you thank you guys pleasure being with you all. Thank you for listening to an episode of The Last Wicket. Do check out other episodes on your podcast app of choice 
or at thelastwicket.com. This podcast is a Cricket Guys production featuring your hosts, Benny and Mike. And if you enjoy this podcast, do let a friend know, rate and subscribe on your platform of choice. Follow us on your social media feeds and leave us a voice message if you would like to share your thoughts with us. Thank you again for listening. And from all of us here at The Last Wicket, stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you.